Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you, worship team, for leading us so well this morning. Such a beautiful time of worship. Uh, John Shiresh debuted on the drums this morning. Uh, So thank you, John. Thank you. His, uh, his dad is a pastor, preacher, evangelist in India, and he's preaching this morning someplace in India, so we prayed for him as well. Great brotherhood that we enjoy all across the world. Well, you know, in recent years, we've heard about several big farewell tours, Elton John, Paul Simon, the Rolling Stones. They all want to make one big splash before they get out of the pool these geriatric performers. You got to know when to hang it up, right? The Rolling Stones are going to be touring in 2019 in 13 cities in, in the United States. Mick Jagger is 75 years old. I'm expecting to see him strut across the stage with a cane, you know? Yeah. A farewell tour usually draws a large audience because... Everybody wants to see their band, their favorite band, one more time before they call it quits. In Acts chapter 20, Paul completes his ministry in Greece, and he's ready to hit the road on one last missionary journey. So this is sort of his farewell tour, I guess. Please open your Bibles or your Bible apps this morning to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. This chapter... Uh, really highlights what I call three farewell events. They're farewell events as Paul closes off his ministry in this part of the world. So in Acts chapter 20, we're going to read about a, a farewell journey and a farewell service and then a farewell message. So first of all, we start with the journey, a farewell journey. And I'm, I'm reading now from Acts chapter 20, verses 1 to 5. After the uproar ceased... Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he'd gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater, the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Uh, Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius of Derbe and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. And we're going to stop there for the time being. We go back to verse 1, and verse 1 tells us that Paul left Ephesus and headed for Macedonia. And as he traveled through the region, he stopped and visited various Christian communities to give them as much encouragement as he possibly could. These are some of the same churches that he planted earlier. And now he's going back on his third missionary journey to encourage the saints. Because that's what disciple makers do. They encourage the saints. They they inspire and motivate the saints to walk with God and trust the Lord and keep on going no matter what. He stayed there as long as he could. But when a plot was hatched against him by the religious Jews who were devoted to the law and not the gospel, 
he decides to return through Macedonia. He retraces his steps, and several disciples go with him. They are Sopater, Aristarchus, Secundus, Gaius, Timothy, Tychicus, and Trophimus. Those seven guys represented the churches that Paul had planted in Asia. And that in and of itself must have been an encouragement to Paul to see the fruit of, of, of these churches that he had planted. And now there's seven guys who are going with him. They're, they're, they're making the trek eventually to Jerusalem. And these guys are carrying with them an offering for the mother church in Jerusalem. Each man was carrying an offering from his home church to be given to the believers in Jerusalem who were under great persecution. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul actually talks about this specific offering that was gathered from these churches in Macedonia en route to Jerusalem. And he says in 2 Corinthians 8.1, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this, servant, in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. Wow, that's a powerful passage. You know, I, I'm especially... Uh, tempted to comment on this idea that they pleaded. They pleaded with them for the privilege of giving. Very first church I pastored in southern Alberta, one day I'm, I'm, I'm in my office and I hear the, these glass doors. Somebody's banging, banging, banging on the front doors. And I, I went warily through the, through the sanctuary to the front doors to the lobby and there's somebody pounding on the front door I, whom I didn't recognize. And this place, Medicine Hat, was just a, a stopover to somewhere else. People didn't come and stay in Medicine Hat. They just came and stopped at the Husky and ate lunch and kept on going. So I thought, this is, I, I don't know this person. This guy's banging on the door. I finally reluctantly opened up the, the front uh, doors, and, and, and he said, Pastor, here you go. I needed some place to, to give my tithe. All right? So what's the catch? I'm thinking to myself, okay, so what's the catch? I said, have you been to our church before? No, I haven't been to your church, but I needed some place to give my tithe, so here you go. And he turned on his heel and walked away. <laughs> Banging on the door, urgently pleading for some place to give his money. I said, well, here's my address. <laughs> no. <laughs> Paul uses some very extreme language in verse 2. Let's have a look. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Paul uses the, the extreme generosity of these churches in Macedonia who, who gave out of their extreme poverty. They weren't just giving out of their abundance. They weren't tapping into their RRSPs. They, they were giving out of their poverty. And he uses this as an example to encourage us to dig deep and give generously to God's work so that other people can be encouraged. Does that make sense? And that's what disciple-makers do. That Paul was encouraging the saints to give generously, to, to, to enter into extreme grace by giving so that other people could be inspired 
to do the mission of God. He just kept, keeps on encouraging them to do what God has called them to do. We'll pick up the farewell tour now in verse 6, where we read about a farewell service. A farewell service. Acts chapter 20, verse 6. We sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. Okay, now that's a long sermon. You think that some of the sermons around here are long? This one went all the way till midnight. Service started at 6. He preached for a long time. Uh, there were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. So these are oil lamps that are burning, and you can imagine uh, hour after hour that uh, the air quality in that room probably subsided significantly. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people like that verse. They say, that, that, that's my pastor. My pastor will preach until people are dead. He just never knows when to quit. But Paul, but Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak. <laughs> that puts a new twist on the, on the term overnighter, right? What'd you guys do at the overnighter? Oh, we watched movies, man. What'd you guys do? Oh, we listened to a sermon <laughs> all night long. Wow. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. So Paul and his companions only spent a week in Troas, but while they were there, they were able to worship with the church, and they were able to encourage the church during this visit. That must have been encouraging to Paul and his companions, but equally encouraging to the church. When people come to visit from, from other churches like they were here, that's a great encouragement. They come alongside, you guys are doing a great job, we're praying for you, way to go, way to go. And we have some people here all the way from Winkler, Manitoba today. They, they heard how wonderful the gathering was, so three or four days ago they got in their car and they drove all the way so they could be here for worship. And if you believe that, well, give me your other leg, I'll pull it for a while. But they are, we do have folks here from Winkler, that's not, that's not a stretch. Encouraging. Look again at Luke's last phrase in verse 12. They were not a little comforted. So he puts it in the negative, but it actually means that they were, greatly, they were greatly comforted. They were greatly encouraged, deeply encouraged from this visit by Paul and his companions. But this story has a touch of humor in it. We've already alluded to that. A touch of humor with a very happy outcome. Paul preaches way too long, and Eutychus gets sleepy. He goes to the window for some fresh air, but Paul still doesn't get the hint. He just keeps going. So Eutychus sits in the windowsill and falls asleep again, and then he falls out of the window three stories to his death. He's not just unconscious. He's not just knocked out. He's dead. I mean, he, he's dead. And Paul goes down, takes the young man in his arms. Eutychus comes back to life, and everybody's encouraged by this miracle. Wouldn't you be encouraged? 
I just think it's a miracle that most of you stay awake on Sunday when I'm preaching. That's a miracle. But see, Paul encouraged the church at Troas by doing so. I mean, can you imagine? But, but, but then again, that's what, that's what disciple makers do. They encourage the saints to trust in Jesus when all the odds are against trusting in Jesus. I mean, Eutychus, three stories, dead, dead. Paul encourages them to trust in God, who can raise the dead. And so he comes back to life, and everybody's standing there going, whoa, maybe we should listen to this guy all night long. He's got something to say. There's power behind what he says, and there's power behind what he does. And so they sat for the all-nighter sermon. Paul goes back upstairs, and like this was a normal, everyday kind of experience, he pauses briefly, catches his breath, and then keeps teaching them from the Scriptures until daybreak. He shares the Lord with them all night long. But then again, that's what encouragers do. That's what disciple-makers do. They encourage the saints day and night, night and day. They encourage the saints when it's convenient and when it's not. This is what it's about. They encourage the saints with the word of God. And that's what we hope to do here at the gathering and through our ministries. I said that this chapter describes three farewell events as Paul closes off his, his uh, ministry in this part of the world. There's a, a farewell journey and a farewell service and then a farewell message. But there's a catch. You're going to have to wait until next Sunday to hear the farewell message when our newest associate pastor, Kale, brings the message next week on that part of the scripture. You don't want to miss it. But did you happen to notice how many times I used the word encourage or encouraging this morning in my short talk? That's what disciple makers do. That's what Paul did. That's what we try to do when we're discipling men and women to follow hard after Jesus. We encourage the saints. Darren Young was a 30-year-old man who had to go to court and face a judge. He was sentenced by the judge to write 144 things about his ex-girlfriend. You see... She had a restraining order against him because of some naughty behavior of his. And part of the restraining order was that they could not have any communication whatsoever for the, for the enforcement of the restraining order. But uh, he lost his mind one day, and in a span of two hours and 31 minutes, he sent her 144 texts. And for every nasty thing he said about her in those 144 texts, the judge ordered him to write 144 nice things about his ex-girlfriend. And don't repeat any of your words or any of your phrases, the judge ordered. Oh. So you see, even, even the judges in our secular courts understand the power of words. They understand the power of encouragement. This was his, this was his sentence. He had to write 144 nice things about his ex-girlfriend. 
We all need encouragement, don't we? You need encouragement? I need encouragement. I, see, I have a problem because my, my love language is words of affirmation. And that can be dangerous because, you, you know, you, if you don't get it, you crave it. You know? So it can be dangerous. But my, 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 my family knows that I, I uh, love words of affirmation. Every once in a while, they say, Dad, what do you want for your birthday? Oh, just write me a letter. Just, just give me some words of affirmation. That's all I need. It's the greatest gift. Honey, words of affirmation. I need encouragement. You need encouragement. Paul knew how powerful encouragement was. So he encourages the church of Macedonia. He encourages the churches in Greece. He encourages the church at Troas. And that's what disciple makers do. They encourage other people. So that those people, in turn, can encourage others by their life and by their witness. Do you know somebody in your sphere of influence who could use some encouragement today? Do you know anybody in your sphere of influence who could use some encouragement? Got a name? Got a face? How many of you got a name, got a face? Got a name, got a face? Got a name, got a face, Dan? Okay. Then that's your assignment. This week, that's your assignment. Go make disciples and encourage somebody. We're going to gather next week. We're not going to preach. Well, we're going to preach. Cale's going to preach, but he's only going to preach five minutes. And the rest, of- <laughs> the rest of the time, we're going to talk about how we saw people come alive by words of encouragement. You ready for the task? We're actually not going to do that next week, Jesse. I'm just kind of pulling your leg, but... That's your assignment. Go and encourage, because that's what disciple makers do. They encourage other people. There's enough negative talk everywhere, isn't there? You got some negative talk at your workplace? Turn on the news. Uh, open your, your web browser. I mean, it, there's bad news everywhere. People need some good news. Share some words of encouragement with your friends and your family, your pastor, or anybody else. Look again at Acts 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. See, they shared together in the gospel. They, they shared together in the scriptures. They, they broke bread together. They celebrated communion. As a, bun- as, a, as a bunch of believers gathered together, they celebrated communion. And they were greatly encouraged, and they were greatly comforted. Acts 20, verses 11, 12. Remember, Paul went back upstairs again after he raised Eutychus from the dead and broke bread with the believers and ate. And after talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. We're going to break bread together this morning. We have the elements prepared, the the bread which represents the body of Christ nailed to a cross on Calvary's mount, the the cup which represents his shed blood on our behalf. We're going to celebrate communion together, and I believe the Lord Jesus is here. And when we celebrate communion, I, I believe the, the, the presence and the power of, of Jesus is even greater than at other times when we meet together. He's going to encourage us with his presence as we celebrate communion. And we will be 
greatly encouraged. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we, we long to be men and women who encourage others. We long to be disciple makers like Paul who encouraged the saints to walk with God. And Lord, this morning we confess that sometimes we, we love convenience and comfort more than we do the rewards of obedience and sacrificial service in discipleship. So, Lord, would you please forgive us for our laziness spiritually and sprinkle us again with hope as we fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then he, he triumphantly and victoriously sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, fill this space with your presence now as we celebrate communion together in Jesus' name. Amen.